Yeah, 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 yeah. It's what up, RG? Y'all, what's good? It's your boy, Yard Swift. Hey, yo, what's up? It's your girl, Erica Mason, aka Miss Pretty and Radical. All right, what's up with it? This is May May, and you're listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked, baby. I don't do the most, but I do a lot. I'ma make a toast, cause we still alive. No big, I feel like Pac. I shoot the shot. I'm coming in. Hey, how y'all doing? It's Rick Sincere with MTNV Sports, and I am so elated to have Kevin Gray Jr. on the line with us today. He wrote a phenomenal article. I was kind of going through um, Twitter the other day, just kind of like scrolling. Y'all know how we do, right? And so I look and I find this article, man. Um, it was why Kofi Kingston as champion matters, and I just had to click on it, so I did. I started reading the article, and I'm like, man, I have to get this guy on the podcast. I have to talk to him um, and kind of dive into his thoughts. Um, so I'm going to talk to him today, but he he's a um, the owner right now and running the Clutch Talk Sports Radio.com website. Um, can you just introduce yourself to the people so they know who you are before we hop in? Yeah, man. No, I appreciate you guys having me on. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to talk to me. It's, it's, it's an honor to be on. Uh, but yeah, as I said, my name is Kevin Gray. I'm the host of Clutch Talk Sports Radio Live on the Sports Radio America Network, um, which is available on TuneIn Radio. And I'm the owner and, um, I guess, CEO, if you will, of Clutch Talk Sports Radio dot com uh our show's website um and have been a show host now uh for our radio network for almost two years um and my show clutch talk sports radio started off as a podcast back in october of 2014 uh we did it as a podcast for several years we moved to a platform called blog talk radio i was on there for about a year and a half after we moved from live 365 um, that platform had shut down, but it's since uh, restarted. But moved to Blog Talk Radio, they caught on with Sports Radio American Network and been with them since November of 2017. And I also am a sports entertainment journalist for uh, Black Sports Online. So you can visit um, their work on blacksportsonline.com uh, also. So do quite a bit, a few things. Like I said, as a show host and writing and um you know producing content and we love talking sports all kinds of sports including uh one of my favorites the wwe so that's kind of where we are and and that's kind of where we'll hop in uh we'll i'm a i'm a get nostalgic if you don't mind for a second uh we all sure. remember I, I was reading your article and this this kind of stood out to me uh, we all remember that the rock was gone for a long stretch of time everybody remembers well not everybody maybe but i remember the rise of the rock Right. And how The Rock was just infectious and he was just the absolute best, most electrifying dude ever. And then he got a taste for Hollywood and went away and left everybody and left all wrestling fans looking for that next charismatic superstar to basically take over. And, yeah, you had, you know, Stone Cold and stuff. But Stone wasn't as funny. He was great, but he wasn't (laughs) as rock. You know what I mean? And yeah. so we were all kind of waiting for him to come back. And then in 2013, he makes this comeback run. And everybody's like, I don't know whether to take this seriously or not. You don't know whether to boo or cheer. Is this a real thing? Are you playing with our hearts rock? Are you going to be here for a second? Like, you just didn't know. And then at Royal Rumble, he wins the championship. He wins the, the championship from CM Punk, right? And you That's said right. you were there for that match. 
Can you please describe that moment? Yeah, that night, uh, that January night was was surreal. Uh, I was there with myself, myself and a couple of my best friends. We had driven out to to Phoenix because we wanted to see The Rock return to the top of the business after being gone for seven, eight years to reclaim the WWE uh, championship. And um, the night was phenomenal. John Cena had won the Royal Rumble earlier that night, and, and then The Rock defeated CM Punk um to win the wwe championship and at the time it, for me at least i thought that was going to be you know my greatest you know night as a fan of the wwe seeing one of my favorites of all time returning after several years of being away to win the wwe championship and to see him do that to him see him celebrate to see him being able to come back and do what he did as you mentioned you know being gone away you know from hollywood becoming a megastar obviously in hollywood not just you know then but obviously now in the stuff that he's doing uh but to witness that particular moment at a live event uh at the royal rumble was something that uh, at least i thought at the time was going to be the best moment that I'd ever experienced at a WWE event. But, you know, fortunately I was wrong in that regard. So, man. So were you, so when, when you saw the rock win, were you feeling like, man, I'm proud that there's a black man, he's doing his thing, you know, like he's representing for us or was it more, man, that's the rock. He's cold blooded. I love that dude. I'm so happy he's back. <laughs> I think it was more so the latter. Um, as I thought about it a little bit later, you know, I was like, you know, it's pretty cool to see, you know, a guy of his, you know, ethnicity being able to win, you know, the championship once again, because, you know, throughout the history of the business, they're really, as far as winning the WWE championship, the oldest and most prestigious title in the business, there hasn't been a lot of folks that looked like, uh, myself who held that title uh, I mean you've seen guys win the WCW championship with Booker T you saw guys win the world heavyweight championship uh, like a Mark Henry but there really hadn't been a guy like Dwayne The Rock Johnson to hold um, you know the WWE title in the way that he did in the multiple times that he did um, but for me I think on that particular night it was just more about man, one of my favorites of all time is back. He wins the championship, looked great doing it. And, you know, we'll see how this goes because I kind of knew where things were going. John Cena had won the Royal Rumble that earlier that night. So I knew that a rematch was coming from their 2012 uh, epic matchup out there in uh, in Miami, Florida, where The Rock won in his, in his hometown. So once Cena won earlier that night, well, it looks like we're going to have a Cena Rock, you know, part two for the WWE Championship uh, in New York City, and that's exactly you know, what wind up happening. And those promos were epic. Yes, yes, um, and it was crazy because it was really a three-year storyline for The Rock and Cena. And you started actually in 2011 in the main event of WrestleMania 27, uh, where of course The Rock was the the host of WrestleMania. 27 and then decided uh, he had of course he had some run-ins with you know Cena and the Miz throughout their build up to their main event match uh, to cap off WrestleMania 27 and of course The Rock got involved in Cena's uh, WWE Championship match at a rock bottom on him and allowed um, the Miz to pin him to retain and walk out as WWE Champion which obviously led to the very next night um, 
them setting up it had never been done before a main event being set one year out from the next wrestlemania john cena and the rock of course agreeing to uh face each other in the main event of wrestlemania 28 so you saw them build it during certain parts of the year and of course as it got closer um to that particular main event um words got heated you know cena's conversation with him was basically look you left us you left the wwe universe you left us hanging while i was here you know busting my tail for you know as every single night here for the wwe and you went off running running off to hollywood so that was kind of the epicenter of their story as they built it up toward wrestlemania 28 and then of course um, the Rock comes back, wins in his hometown of Miami, Florida, and then that kind of sent Cena into kind of a, a tailspin a little bit. Had some personal issues after that, didn't have the kind of success that he wanted to, and then by the time 2013 rolled around, you know, it made itself himself a redemption story by winning the Royal Rumble, then of course The Rock winning the WWE Championship that same night, and of course the road to WrestleMania for WrestleMania 29 was the idea that Cena was going to get redemption to right the biggest mistake of his career and The Rock not wanting to allow Cena to have that kind of redemption and prove forever uh, that he was the better man. And of course, uh, Cena went on to win the WWE Championship and kind of the passing of the torch, if you will, from um, The Rock to John Cena as the guy for this era. Uh, and he wound up putting him over WrestleMania 29, so it kind of been building for a long time between those two, uh, culminating at that WrestleMania in New York City and back in 2013. Yeah, I love that moment. I love that passing of the torch moment. It was similar to mm -hmm. what Hulk Hogan did, um, you know, for The Rock when it was his time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of the greatest, um, just the spectacle of Hulk Hogan and the rock in the middle of the ring in Toronto there was just, mm. It's, mm. it's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, definitely. So in your article, why Kofi Kingston as champion matters, you admit that that moment when he wins the, the title was more exhilarating than the moment the rock won. Why do you believe you felt that way? Yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was, it was surreal because on a lot of levels, um, it meant and felt more this time. Of course, um, Kofi Kingston being the first African-born WWE champion is significant in so many ways, not just for the business itself, but also the timing of him winning this championship. Uh, obviously, with so many um, black men and women and children being gunned down in the streets and the kinds of times that we're living in socially and politically black images of excellence are needed now more than ever. And for Kofi Kingston, after 11 years in the WWE, um, had won championships in various forms, was a former Intercontinental Champion, was a former United States Champion, Tag Team Champion, had done pretty much everything that you could in the business except for winning and capturing that quote-unquote brass ring that Vince McMahon likes to talk about and being the man for the company. And the thing about Kofi's rise was that it was so organic. It was so natural. And folks finally started putting their energy and efforts behind a guy who had been putting himself in position for a long time to get to this moment. A lot of folks forget that when the New Day gimmick started 
you know, five, six years ago, a lot of folks didn't like it and mm. did not, it did not go over well uh, <laughs> with a lot of folks. But the power of positivity, if you will, to steal their line, it, they, it, they kept it going. And, you know, obviously Xavier Woods and Biggie are talented individuals, but Kofi was kind of the epicenter and the kind of veteran that kind of kept it all together. So when you saw him finally get his moment in the sun after an opportunity, that was created not just by his own performances, but by the help of, you know, Big E and Xavier Woods winning their gauntlet match to ultimately get him to WrestleMania. It was a moment that a lot of folks didn't think would come, not just for Kofi Kingston, but for someone that looks like him. And, you know, like I said, the title of the article is, you know, my champion is black, why Kofi King matters as WWE champion, because with him looking, he looks like someone that looks like me and looks like others who have not been able to find the kind of success that we thought someone of Kofi Kingston's talent should have found a long time ago. And a lot of folks say, Kevin, well, you know, we've had other champions like, you know, Booker T and Mark Henry. I was like, well, yeah, you know, that's true, but we never had a full African born WWE champion. And to me, that is, that is quite significant. And the explosion of the crowd, if, if MetLife Stadium had a roof on it, it would have blown off the place when Kofi Kingston won uh, the championship and seeing him being hoisted, you know, on the shoulders of his teammates of Big E and, uh, and Xavier Woods was a moment that, uh, yeah, that I definitely will never forget. That's for sure. So, so talk to me. Let's, I want to dive into it a little bit. Give me your hypothesis. Why Kofi Kingston? Why now? Why not? Why not Big E? Why not Titus? Why not um, Bobby Lashley? Right? Why not in the past like The Rock's father or Junkyard Dog or Coco Beware? Why not those guys? Why Kofi and why now? You know that's a great question, and it, it took too long. Uh, I'll start off by saying that it, it took way too long to get to this point. Um, but I think it took an organic rise in the times that it need, it needed to happen during this time there, as you mentioned, there are plenty of other guys that should have been WWE champion uh, prior to Kofi Kingston having this opportunity to become ultimately become, you know, champion. But I think the timing of it is perfect given the kinds of times that we're living in, because it shouldn't have taken this long to get an African born champion to the top of this business and it took someone of Kofi's perseverance. I mean, he's been around, he was the veteran of the group, the guy that's been around the 11 years of blood, sweat and tears to go through the WWE. He had runs before where he was an intercontinental champion or United States champion. There was a time at one point where he was being trying to get pushed into the main event scene. I remember he had a feud uh, with Randy Orton that was hot for a little bit, but wind up fizzling, fizzling out. He just never could quite get to the top uh, of the business. But as you saw, his rise continued, especially you know with his performances at the Elimination Chamber and just continuing to go on. You saw the crowd get behind him, and I think a lot of it has to do with you know the WWE crowd and the wrestling fan in general has changed and it's been changing a lot, especially over the last several years, especially with guys like a CM Punk or a Daniel Bryan, other guys who aren't your typical Brock Lesnar looking like guys, um, being able to be in positions to win a championship and hold the championship well. And Kofi Kingston falls in that same group of, you know, guys as far as 
not being the biggest of guys. He's not Brock Lesnar. He's not, you know, Bobby Lashley. He's not any of those kinds of guys, but he's a fantastic wrestler and performer. And he's worked his tail off to get to this point. So for him to have this moment, I think was well-deserved for him um, simply because he earned it. So you, you mentioned earning it, and, and that's kind of the emphasis of my next question, right? Along the way, Vince McMahon kind of made a point to make Kofi earn it, like make him earn it. I mean, not unlike Daniel Bryan or, or Randy Orton or any of those other heavy fan favorites who seem kind of destined to win, right? Um, but do you believe that it was Vince's goal, right, to send a message to, you know, maybe just African-Americans everywhere, right? Like, you're going to have to earn it? Or was he hoping to inspire just everybody? Or was he just simply, you know, making Kofi more of a fan favorite? You know, like, like, what do you think his overall thing was? Or was it just like a normal WWE buildup? I think it was, you know, a, a lot of a lot of those elements together. And you wanted to create Kofi as a guy who was going up against uh, the man and the machine, which is the WWE, which is Vince McMahon. In a lot of ways, reminded us of the storyline just maybe four or five, just four years ago, um, or five years ago, excuse me, when Daniel Bryan himself was in a similar position trying to get past the authority with Triple H and Stephanie McMahon and Vince McMahon um, to go to WrestleMania and be the main event there, you know, having to win two matches in one night to become uh, WWE, you know, champion, a world heavyweight champion uh, that night. So I think you had some of that going on, this David versus Goliath, but you also had uh, elements of, and Big E kind of talked about it in his, he did a video, you know, talking about how, you know, Kofi had earned the chance by winning a gauntlet match and then Vince McMahon subsequently took it away after having him compete in a final match against Daniel Bryan, which he lost, taking away his opportunity to go to WrestleMania. And one of the things that Biggie talked about was that, you know, folks that look like Kofi don't get to the top because they're held back or there's once the opportunity has been given, it's been stripped away. And the question was that Biggie posed was, you know, will folks that look like Kofi and black wrestlers ever get to that proverbial brass ring and not only reach it, but grab it and take it and run with it. And ultimately, that was part of the story. So I think he had a lot of different elements from, you know, trying to build sympathy with the crowd to this, you know, guy trying to get past the machine and the man that is Vince McMahon to even more deeper elements of historically black wrestlers have not been able to get to that particular point when it comes to being champion and ultimately champion uh, with the WWE. So you had a lot of those elements mixed in together, which I thought created for a compelling story, but more so created organic support for a guy who not only deserved to have that support behind it, but deserved the opportunity to compete on the grandest stage of them all with an opportunity to win wrestling's most grand prize, which is the WWE championship. So you mentioned Big E, um, and, and I saw that um, that interview. Well, not interview, but just got kind of like camera time um, where he, you know, actually spilled, right, and told exactly how he kind of felt about the situation. Um, you mentioned not ever having a chance to hold it, right, um, grab it, and then run with it, right? So now we, we're here. He held it. He's grabbed it. He's running. My question is, how long is he going to run? 
I hope for a while, um, and he deserves the opportunity to hold the title and to see how he carries it. He's already been thrust into what's going to be, I think, a terrific feud with him and Kevin Owens after Kevin Owens turned on him uh, just um, you know yesterday on SmackDown. As far as it was with the New Day for a week, and then of course you know turned on it, and I, I kind of <laughs> knew with Kevin, yeah with Kevin Owens. Join last week. I say, oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> Kevin Owens is—he's your prototypical. I mean, he's a fantastic heel. I mean, he's been a terrific heel before, and that role has suited him well. So once um, you know he joined the New Day, and obviously uh, with Big E being out for a while, doing dealing with a knee injury, uh, you kind of knew what time it was. And I think this is going to be a, a great feud for uh, Kofi and for Owens to. Um, to see what Kofi is really made of as champion now that he's captured the title. Now let's see how he, you know, defends it. And he's going to go up against some of the best in the business. I mean, Kevin Owens has been a guy that's been around the indie scene and finally got his chance, you know, with the WWE and has made the most of his time there, obviously. And now he's going to have a chance to compete with one of the best wrestlers uh, on the planet. Now Roman Reigns is on, you know, SmackDown. Finn Balor is also on SmackDown. So you've got a lot of guys that are on this brand now that Kofi will have an opportunity to have some terrific matches with. And I'm really excited to see how he and Kevin Owens uh, match up with one another, one another over the next, you know, several weeks. So let's ask this question. Um, well, you just kind of mentioned all the possibilities, all the people we can possibly have a match with. Um, of those people, who do you really want to see him in a great feud with? Oh man, that's that's a great question. Um, the the Owens one is going to be good, I think. Uh, I think ultimately, I do hope he holds it long enough to see him take on Roman Reigns. I believe Roman was brought over to SmackDown to give SmackDown a boost as they get ready to go over to Fox later on uh, this fall with a big, huge television contract. You know that they have there. So Roman has been brought over to help boost ratings. I think for you know, SmackDown's, um, you know, television show. And I hope at some point, you know, that Kofi has a chance to defend that title against, uh, against Roman Reigns, because I think that would be an amazing feud. Um, also. So there's, there's lots of possibilities with the roster, with the rosters having changed. Of course, AJ Styles is now on, uh, Monday night raw and that kind of thing. But there's quite a few guys. I think that Kofi could have some terrific feuds with there. So, I know growing up for me, I really loved the WWE, right? I was really, um, really, really into it. And, and if I had to answer that question, um, the one I just asked, I probably would go Finn Balor. Like, I think yeah. that feud is going to be fun. And, yeah, like, Finn, athletically pleasing. Yes, most definitely. Finn Balor is an amazing performer. You want to talk about a guy that has the, the crown in the palm of his hand every time he either is in his demon moniker or just, you know, with the Balor Club. I mean, the guy is magnetic. He's super charismatic, and the guy can flat out go. And, uh, you know, anytime he's in the ring with anybody, he's going to bring, you know, the best out of him. And, you know, I think him and Kofi would put on uh, a terrific show if they ever got the chance to feud with one another. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like 
like like I said, as you know, growing up, I've been in this thing, right? Like for a while, um, I've I've been loving WWE since I was a little kid. Like the first big thing for me was just kind of watching. Um, I'm gonna tell how old I am at this point. Andre the Giant <laughs> versus, <laughs> versus Hulk Hogan, right? Um, yeah, and that was like a big deal for me. Um, so like I've been there for a while. I know. I'm looking over at the overall landscape of WWE fans, just like the kids, right? Um, and I should know just the overall fan base. What percentage of that fan base do you believe is African American? And and to that um, percentage, right? How much does this matter to them? Uh, well, I'll answer the back part first. I mean, it matters a lot, and there's a lot of you know black fans, black and brown fans of professional wrestling. Um, you know, as I kind of talked about, you know, if I had to put a percentage on it, I would say mm, uh, 15, 20%. I mean, there's there's a strong contingent of black and brown wrestling fans that love the sport of wrestling and love professional wrestling. And one of the things that, you know, kind of talked about is that, you know, the black cultural experience is, is a unique one. And wrestling is a part of that culture. Also, combat sports in general is a part of that culture going all the way back to the days, you know, of Jack Johnson and, of course, Joe Lewis, you know, being an African-American, you know, champion to even to modern day, you know, with the UFC even, there's currently four black champions and, you know, Israel Adesanya, Kamara Usman and John Jones, whatever you want to say about, you know, about John Jones, but nonetheless, uh, (laughs) Daniel Cormier, you know. All these guys are representing combat sports as black champions, and wrestling is a phenomenon. It's been around, as you know, for a long time. It transcends transcends not only sports, but also into pop culture. I mean, some of the biggest moments in sports history have taken place inside of the square circle. The one that you mentioned with Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan, you know, other moments, you know, involving The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin, mm. you know, and Mike Tyson and Shawn Michaels, like some of the biggest moments in pop culture history took place because of professional wrestling, uh, more so in the modern day, you know, talking about, you know, in the 70s and the 80s until, you know, now, but at the same time, those moments mean a lot, and black folks haven't had a lot of those moments to really hang on to you've seen you know tag champions such as you know the harlem heat with you know stevie ray and booker t you've seen you know folks like you know rocky johnson and tony atlas you know being tag team champs you've seen glimpses and flashes of black champions in the past but you've never seen one ascend to the very top of the business that was fully black and you know obviously with you know the rock being half black half samoan he gave us you know, a lot of ways that particular, you know, champion, but at the same time, you know, there's so many elements of why Kofi Kingston matters because of not only him being an African born wrestler, not only the time that he spent in WWE, the 11 years that he's been there, but the elements of social media, black Twitter and Facebook and the whole social media age has really shrunken the world to a point where we feel much more connected than we ever been. And the ability to get information and to be able to share it with one another and share moments and share stories and share experiences with one another has shrunken to the point where we feel like we're all connected to each other because of what, you know, social media has been able to do. And 
the New Day have utilized that capability with social media and Twitter. You know, Big E, Xavier Woods, and Kobe Kingston run some amazing Twitter accounts. If you ever follow them on Twitter and see anything that they ever post on Twitter or whatever the case may be, and they've tapped into the idea that the connectivity between themselves and their fans and themselves and uh, black Twitter and all of these things, all of those things connect and resonate together. So I think his t- the timing of him winning this championship is perfect because of not only where we are as black people, but more so the amount of connectivity that we have to each other that allows us to share in this moment so much more collectively than what we may have been able to in the past. Cause I can only imagine if Twitter was around when a guy like the rock won, mm. you know, the WWE championship <laughs> or all of those kinds of things where, you know, we are able to be connected, you know, at the time of that particular, you know, event and to have everyone, I mean, the outpouring on social media, the outpouring on, you know, all of these different places that have us connected together was kind of surreal and crazy to watch because of, you know, how connected we are based on, you know, the way that we can be with, you know, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all those things that come with it. Yo, thank you so much. Um, Hey, um, hopefully you've been enjoying this. We're going to take a small break and we'll be right back uh, with Kevin Gray Jr. of Clutch Talk Sports Radio. All right, we're back. Um, Hey, Man, uh, this has been so, so awesome. I want to hop into some fun stuff for a second, if you sure. don't mind. Are you with Most me? Most definitely. Most definitely. All right, bet. Cool. So we'll play a small game, right? Um, And, and you know, let me bring it back in. I'm talking to Kevin Gray Jr. of Clutch Talk Sports Radio. He wrote a phenomenal article on Kofi Kingston, um, and we've been talking about that. So um, if you're catching it right now, go back and listen to the first half. So much awesome information, nostalgia, just like a bunch of phenomenal stuff, right? But this time, right now, we're just going to have a little fun. So we'll play um, just a small game. I'll bring up a scenario, right? And I have like five scenarios. And you tell me if this was if this is spectacular or it's going to be spectacular. If it's silly, just like, you know, weird, whatever. Or is it just plain stupid, right? It just makes no sense and you don't really feel it. You ready? All right. All right. Sounds good. All right. Here we go. So the choices are spectacular, silly, and stupid. The scenario is this. Um... The new Bray Wyatt angle. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go silly for now. Okay. I think I think we're still trying to figure it out. He just came back. Uh, the Firefly Funhouse is uh, is interesting. So I think a lot of folks are trying to, you know, crap on it already without giving it a real chance to see where it goes. So I'm gonna go silly for now because I think it could be spectacular. Uh, given what uh, what Bray Wyatt's done before, man. Um, what's this guy's name? I forgot his name. He was on. Um, he's he's the anchor man. What's the anchor's man's name? The the comedian. Uh, oh, Will Ferrell. Yes. Well, okay. So Will Ferrell comes on um, on The Office, right? And and he's trying to sell some paper to some guys. He's he's just on for like a guest appearance. And he's describing Andy to a potential salesperson, and he says that he could either be this could either be the best decision of your life or the worst decision of your life, right? <laughs> and I saw somebody on Twitter say this whole angle could either be the best thing that ever happened or the absolute worst thing that ever happened. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree because they're taking a real 
risk with this to see where it goes. I mean, I give Bray Wyatt a lot of credit. He looks he looks good and looks like he's ready to take this this on. So I hope it works out for him because it's definitely a risk. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm um, mm, and for me, I'd say I'm going spectacular. I think this is gonna be great. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I think this All is right. going to be great. Um, now I feel like he's um he's another guy who's kind of been buried a little bit, right? Well, not no, not buried. I'm sorry, held held away from the top. I'll say that, right? He's just been not quite the guy. Um, and and a lot of people wanted him to be given a lot more chances, like to be the man for a long stretch of time. Um, I don't know if this will get him there. But I still feel like uh, I think this will be great because he has that type of talent to carry an angle like this. Yeah, yeah, I'm interested to see how he handles it because he's there's a lot of folks over there on Raw that are gonna be gunning for that Universal uh, Universal Championship, so it's a, it's a crowded crowded bunch over there. All right, now we have spectacular, silly, and stupid, um, bad, disconnected Ronda Rousey. Oh man. Um, I'll go with spectacular. Um, Ronda Rousey was much better as a natural, and much more natural as a heel. I think the opportunity, the 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 gimmick of, you know, her being you know this positive, you know, champion trying to play to the crowd that was never really Ronda Rousey to really begin with, and unfortunately to me. I wish her mic skills would have been a bit better because she has a naturally tough, you know, persona. I mean, you know, playing on the baddest woman on the planet, you know, mantra, which for a time in the UFC, uh, she was. And there was not a woman on this planet uh, that could touch her inside of that octagon. I think that could have been how they started things off. But I know that she was a megastar coming into this business and wanting to, you know, make that kind of impression. But, uh, I think heel Ronda Rousey was much, much better, even though her mic work wasn't really ever that good. Um, once the crowd turned on her, turned on her, uh, I think that's when you really saw her personality turned up to a hundred. Is is she now done, or or is it, are we going to get more of this? That's the million dollar question, right? I mean, she's looks like she's taking a hiatus for a while. Um, she's got a broken hand. She's she's going to be out. For, with that anyway, uh, but she also said that she wants to, to go start a family uh, with her husband. So um, who knows? We may have seen the last of Ronda Rousey already, you know, a supernova that came in for a year and took the women's division, you know, by storm. Um, kind of similar to her run in the UFC, you know, was anointed champion after, you know, um, coming over and, defended the title several times, had spectacular fights and finishes, and then ran into somebody who punched her in the mouth. <laughs> and then she came running to, to WWE and <laughs> ran into somebody else who punched her in the mouth and, and Becky Lynch, and she's run off again. So who knows? We, we may have seen the last of, of Ronda Rousey. You're not right for that, brother. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's the truth, man. I mean, Amanda Nunes made her look real real basic um you know when she knocked her <laughs> off uh you know for the for the champ or excuse me holly home first and then uh when amanda Nunes when she came back to try and regain the title amanda Nunes uh 
wasn't having it. So, mm, um, <laughs> uh, is Becky Lynch the last of that? That's funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, talk. Okay, cool. So here we go. Another. I give you another one. Um, spectacular, silly, or stupid. AJ Styles on Raw now after his amazing run on SmackDown. Oh, that's spectacular. Oh, I, I was so happy to see AJ Styles come to to uh, to Monday Night Raw. The matches that he can have on Monday Night Raw are endless. And I tell all the, I tell everybody who I've run into that AJ Styles is the best performer in the world right now. I know about you know Kenny Omega. I know about you know Okada and some of the other guys you know in New Japan. But to me, AJ Styles, his work rate. Um, the visuals that he creates, the amount of endurance and pace that he sets during a match. I think he's the best in-ring performer to go into that. Him and Daniel Bryan, you know, are right up there. So to see him now being immediately put into the Universal Championship picture with a guy against Seth Rollins, um, that is going to be, that's already, to me, going to be a match of the year, you know, candidate. If those two are allowed to go the way that they're capable of going, uh, I think you're going to see something pretty spectacular in Money in the Bank here uh, in a few weeks between, you know, Seth Rollins and AJ Styles. But, yeah, I thought that was spectacular putting them on there. Yeah, that kind of feels like a dream matchup to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it doesn't get much better than Seth Rollins and AJ Styles uh, for the Universal Championship, and we're getting it, you know, pretty much right out of the gate. So I hope their feud is extended, but you got a lot of guys that are coming um, Samoa Joe, of course, is on you know Monday Night Raw, and there's a lot of guys that are be gunning for that title. But to get Styles and Rollins right now already, uh, I'm here for it for sure. Yeah, it feels a little Shawn Michael, Bret Hart to me. Yeah, yeah, those two will uh, put on a show for sure. Yeah. All right, here we go. Spectacular, silly, or stupid. The Viking experience. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry, the Viking Raiders. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Even more stupid. <laughs> um, I, I don't know why Vince McMahon gets in these, you know, name-changing modes sometimes. Uh, but he could have left them the way that they were in NXT and let them do their thing. So, yeah, I wasn't a fan of the, the first name change or now the second name change. He could have left it the way that it was. I think it would have been just fine. <laughs> So it it seems like the WWE universe is starting to get stuff done, right? Like they hated the first name, and then they came out and drove and said they hate it, and then it was changed. All right, cool. And now this new name, which everybody also hates, what do you think they'll be called next week? I hope they go back to what they were <laughs> <laughs> because it was it was just fine the way that it was. I don't understand why Vince felt like he needed to to change it and you know i hope you know obviously with the wwe with fans wwe fans are fickle uh you know i like one thing and not like it the next and they go back to liking it you know two weeks later so it's one of those things where you know i think the company is trying to listen to fans and what they like and uh, as we were talking about earlier with guys like cm punk and daniel bryan you know it kind of changed the mold of what that looks like especially when the rise of a of a tag team or an individual superstar is organic and fans want to see that they're going to make their voices heard. And, you know, we saw, we've seen over the years, 
how Roman Reigns was dealt with um, by WWE fans who felt like he was being shoved, you know, down their throat. And they rejected it and rejected it on as many sides as they could. Speaking of the Rock, when, you know, when Roman Reigns won the Royal Rumble to get to, you know, face Triple H for the you know, WWE Championship, the Rock tried to come out to save him as far as the crowd reaction was concerned. Got even more booze in Philadelphia that night. So, mm. you know, the, the WWE Universe will make their voices, and wrestling fans in general will make their voices uh, known collectively. If they don't like it, they will tell you about it for sure. <laughs> Do you think there will ever come a time, right, when them, when maybe the WWE creatives trying to curve their product to the fans will actually bite them? No, because I think when you try to do what's best for the fans, you make the product better because it forces you to get creative. It forces you to think outside the box. It forces you to create stories that are not only compelling for television audiences, but are compelling for fans to be invested in. That's all any WWE or wrestling fan wants in a storyline is to feel invested in it, whether it be invested in the good guy or the good girl, or the bad guy, or the bad girl. And being invested is what creates and allows these stories to be even bigger than just the story themselves. It's the amount of back and forth, whether you're on Stone Cold's side or The Rock side, whether you're on Bret Hart's side or you're on Shawn Michaels' side, um, whether you were a Hulk Hogan guy or Andre the Giant fan, or whether you were, you know, a Rowdy Roddy Piper fan or Ricky the Steve, all of these stories are supposed to create investment for the fan to feel like they are connected to that particular, you know, character. And the better the story is, the more investment a fan has, the more interested they are in seeing, you know, not only the performances within the ring between the competitors, but more so who wins, why they win, why it's important, and the stories that connect them to feel like they're a part of that particular wrestler. So as long as the, as to me, as long as creative finds ways to create stories that allow fans to invest in the characters involved, uh, I think that they can keep the fans, you know, happy, whether it be, you know, cheering for the good guy or cheering for the bad guy or hating the bad guy or hating the good guy. It's, you know, all of that, working together with one another okay so i'll give you a choice for this last one um do you want real scenario or fantasy scenario let's go fantasy scenario all right here we go kenny omega pops up on raw oh oh man spectacular silly or stupid that would be spectacular um and my hope would be that the WWE would use him correctly because, I mean, Kenny Omega is a megastar, and I can't wait to see what he does uh, with AEW. Him and Chris Jericho are going to have their match at Double or Nothing out there in Vegas. I think that's going to be spectacular. Um, but to see Kenny Omega versus Seth Rollins or Kenny Omega versus AJ Styles uh, Kenny Omega versus Samoa Joe inside a WWE ring or at a WrestleMania uh, would be kind of insane. <laughs> Actually, mm. it would be uh, kind of insane and amazing to see 
uh, if that would ever go down, or a Kenny Omega versus Daniel Bryan, or Finn Balor, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. I feel like WWE's really misused, you know, Shinsuke, you know, Nakamura, any of those guys uh, against Kenny Omega in a WWE ring, if creative, you know, built the stories correctly, I think would be would be spectacular. But yeah, that would definitely be uh, spectacular for sure. Awesome, awesome. Yo, thank you so much for joining us, man. You have been a wealth of knowledge and just an incredibly fun guest. We're super, super happy to have you on. Can you do us a favor? Tell tell everybody where they can reach you. Where can they catch your phenomenal podcast? Uh, where can they get more of your articles? Where can they find you? Man, I appreciate the time, man. It's been a pleasure being on. Yeah, please follow us all over social media. Um, you can go on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search the words clutch talk sports radio and again we are live every monday and friday uh 8 a.m to 10 a.m eastern standard time on the sports radio america network uh which is found on tune in radio uh for my show clutch talk sports radio live you can visit uh, my website uh, clutch talk sports radio.com you can find our articles our past episodes and our podcasts there also uh, and you can download our podcast anywhere you find uh, podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. And then um, you can catch my other work that I do for Black Sports Online at blacksportsonline.com. And I'm also part of what's called the X Squad Affiliate Podcasting Network. Um, so my podcast is a part of that network. You can go to xsquadaffiliates.com uh, or xsquadradio.com, and you can find uh, my podcast there along with all of its other tremendous podcasts and shows that we have uh on that particular network so we're kind of all over the place uh we do quite a bit uh i do quite a bit as far as my own show and writing um for also for black sports online but definitely ct sports radio on facebook twitter and instagram and clutch talk sports radio.com that is awesome you thank you so much for joining us hey listen if you're out there and you love listen if you love what you're hearing right now uh, what i want you to do is i want you to go to um itunes look up well you're already listening to mtmv sports right just go ahead and look at the ratings right and then go ahead and add a rating just give us that five star rating if you're going to do anything less than that just don't you know just like send us a dm or something and um just let us know you know how we can improve or whatever but but, but if you are oh um, go ahead and leave us the five star rating leave us some comments we would love to hear from you thank you so much for listening today and we look forward we look forward um to giving you more great content in the future have a great day god bless i don't do the most but i do a lot i'm gonna make a toast because we still alive no big I feel like Pac. I shoot a shot. I'm coming in hot. Coming in. This is Andrew Brown with the North Florida Tigers prep program, and you are listening to me on MTMV. Support the podcast whenever you can. Listen as much as you can and share as much as you can. I'm coming. Hey Siri, can you play MTMV Sports podcast? Here's the podcast MTMV Sports. What's good, everybody? It's your man, the voice, host of the MTMV main card, bringing you. Hey Siri. Thank you. You're welcome.